Welcome back to another edition of the Day Power Podcast. This week I'm joined by Bertie. Hi, how's it going? And Forty. Uh, hi, hi. And Ham. Hey, I just uh, want to apologise to anyone. I have a bit of a uh, stuffy nose at the moment, so if it sounds a bit weird, that's why. And your host, Hamish. Uh, hopefully you get over that in time for the, the flight up to Darwin, Ham. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'd love to sit in 30-degree humidity while I've got a stuffed nose. Bloody hell. Could you imagine? Well, something that we did like to sit in, and that was Parramatta Stadium on Sunday at 4 o'clock. Rabbits, Western Sydney loves their Sunday afternoon football, almost 28,000. We had the Eels uh, victorious 30 over the Bulldogs 4, and try scorers we had Penasini. Um, sorry, my tip sheet just went off there. Penasini, Moses, RCG, and Sivo with a double. Moses 4 from 5 off the boot, plus the penalty goal. Birdie, what did you like? Oh, hang on a sec. Someone... One sec. Oh, sorry, yeah. Oh, Penasini, man. The more, the better. Like, you know, there's like a lot of hype about Paul Alamotti, but I thought like uh, Penasini literally just gave him a bath. He literally just re- like ran around him. Um, like that. That's the try he set up for Moses. Like the in and away. Like I'm not saying he's Michael Jennings. He doesn't have that speed, but that short burst of speed, like you know, between zero and twenty meter, twenty meters, it's pretty good. And it's just like, it's I, yeah. I just the more you can say about this guy, and just the thing two years ago. Or you know, two seasons ago, he was you know made his debut in the you know towards the end of the year, uh, played a semi final game against Penrith. Like I just feel as though um, he's come a long way in two years, and I'm not expecting him to be like a world beater like you know um, Joey Manu, but he keeps improving, and that's what we need from him. You know, we don't want him to go backwards. You know, and it's I don't want to put the jinx on him, but it seems like he doesn't have the second season, you know, blues or like you know that rookie uh, drop off if that makes sense. Yeah, he's just been fantastic. Like. It- He's always just been a professional. You could tell it since he was a young fella, but playing in the juniors, he's just always been professional. He was never the biggest. He was never the fastest, but he was a smart footy player, professional, and he could always see that throughout the grades. So that's what he's like. That's why, um, yeah, that's why he's just transitioned to first grade. Like, you know, you, you know, there might be uh, players that have gone booming into reserve grade and uh, to first grade, I should say, sorry, but. Um, yeah, Will's just continuing to get better and better and better. And he's only 21. Still eligible for Jersey Flag. Crazy. Yeah, he starts the season. has been fantastic. And, you know, he's not a little turncoat like Suali. So um, <laughs> and more, more and, needs to be spoken of Pedersini. Yeah, well, speaking of more needing to be spoken of him, he's probably been the forgotten man in this. Uh, not, not that he should be picked, but he's probably the forgotten man in this general conversation we're having about origin centres. Whether Suali deserves to be picked, whether Campbell Graham deserves to be picked, who should be there. They're throwing out all these names, including guys like Matt Burton and, uh, God, there was some real bad name thrown out there recently in the press. But I haven't seen Will being brought up at all. This is a special incentive that is, you know, entering his physical prime and he is tearing this competition a new one. So obviously it's beneficial for the Parramatta Eels if he is available for NRL selection. And I'm not saying that he should be mandatorily picked at origin, but it's a bit of a shame that he's not been, and probably a disjustice that he's not been in the conversation at all. You reckon it's because he's not—he's not a flashy player. Like he's not your Isaac Tungo, who's going to make two hundred meters every game. But I think Will's got him in the skills department. He's not your—you know—the Troy Mitchell's. I think given at this point because he just—he's a—he's a big game player. Mm-hmm. But that other center position, like I mean, Campbell—I I, I rate Campbell Graham very highly, and I think that he should be one of the favorites for the spot. But yeah, like you said, him, he's probably just overlooked because he is a very well-rounded uh, center that. He does put on big plays, but hasn't got as many highlight real plays or eye-popping numbers, even though he is averaging like 150 or 160 metres game a season. So it's not like he's not doing the work. But yeah, he probably just... Uh, it also probably been a victim of playing on the Mitchell Moses edge too, where a lot of that credit will be uh, lost because Mitch takes most of the shine because he's you know a superstar halfback. Yeah, talking of superstar halfback, that play to um, to back up Penasini on the break for the try for Moses in the corner. Uh, fantastic stuff. Just going through some of the stats here before we crack in more. So I had 
percent of possession, completing at 70%, 33 from 47, not as good as we would have hoped, but we outran 500 metres, an extra 200 post-contact metres, four line breaks to two, 30 tackle breaks to 24. Average play the ball speed was slower, which always leads to a win. Uh, then kick defusal, only 55%, but we forced six dropouts. I think five of the four or five of them came in that first 10-minute period. And then the effective tackle percentage up at 87% probably needs to be a bit better with 24 missed tackles and 20 ineffective tackles, 13 errors to the Bulldogs 11. We only considered three penalties to the Bulldogs 9, one ruck infringement and one inside 10 metre apiece, and we used up all of our interchanges. So having said that, 40, what did you like? I mean, I made a big deal about it in our preview last week uh, coming off that West Tigers victory where we played so soft. And while there were certainly a lot of areas of improvement still to be chasing out of the win against Canterbury, I thought that front and centre, the physicality was vastly improved. We were chasing the collision. We absolutely smashed in the middle. We had some big hits, made some big runs. Reagan Campbell-Gillard really leading the way in that department. And that coming out of that game, I was very happy because of that. Like, yeah, clearly we botched, we botched a lot of opportunities. We were forcing passes, taking the wrong options. Weren't efficient in the red zone. These are all things that we're going to have to deal with in the lead-up to that game against Brisbane and beyond. But the calling card of our brand of football, as much as it is about expansive second-phase options, it's about you know punching our position in the face through the middle, and that's what we did in this game. So I was very happy to see that back. And somebody in particular got the ire of that punching through the middle. <laughs> it's a, that, that is a nice way to bring it in. And, yeah, good Lord, you could see – sometimes there's a game plan – and it's obvious. And then sometimes there's a game plan that is so transparent, so obvious, and just like done so well that you can't just sit back, can't help but sit back and laugh. And the Parramatta Reels, I'll tell you what, I think all 17 players and even the reserve Jake Arthur would have come out in that game saying, whenever I see that white headgear in that defensive line, change direction and go into six gear against him. And that's what every eel did. Mike Acevo, Hayes Dunster, Quinton Gufferson, Junior Barlow, Reagan Campbell, Gillard, all of them. They just picked out Reed money and bullied him. Well, it's not even in uh, while well, we had the ball. Like, there, was, there was one there. I, I just want to come back to that physicality a bit later. But even when the dogs had the ball, there was that set of six they had on our goal line. Gutherson got into marker and he he knocked the ball out or tackled Marnie two or three times. Like Gutherson's usually, you know, if he's at marker, he's sprinting across the field to get it out of the other side. They knew exactly what Reed was going to do. They knew he was going to take those two steps out of dummy half and have nothing. So, you know, you want to talk about, oh, a player going to a different club, they'll know all the secrets. We knew everything. We we didn't know the secrets of Reed's play. Reed's play is very simple. Well, it should be very simple. We gave him a simple game plan, but he didn't want it to be simple game plan. Did we you say exactly simple as a Chinese meal? <laughs> simple as a honey chicken and fried rice. <laughs> very, very No, he got boiled rice, you know, very bland. Ah, yes, of course. <laughs> And, you know, obviously we can talk about it more, but uh, if he read really overplayed his hand in this one, he went for every – in that bag of tricks you're talking about him that he wants to have uh, as opposed to a more straightforward game plan when you're playing off the likes of Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown. He went for the 40-20, he tried to run the ball, he was trying to kick from dummy half, and none of it came off. I, that, we, we're used to former Parramatta Eels coming back and having, you know, the former Parramatta game and they score a try or two and have a huge game. But this was like – the legendary anti-revenge game, wasn't it? He came into our our house. Uh, he, the, whoever kept the stats in this game were very generous with his missed tackles and ineffective tackles. Uh, but let, they, they had him down for four missed, three ineffective, which I think is very kind. Uh, but he, he had those missed tackles. He was credited with three or four penalties, including a dumb late hit on Mitchell Moses. Uh, he had a captain's challenge that was, why would you use in that situation? Uh, he you know, ran the ball from dummy half and lost it, what, two or three times? Once on the goal line, uh, once when there was an offside, there was Ryan Madison was literally offside and he just lost the ball. Uh, yeah, it, it was an, the definition of a Barry Crocker. And look, I, I don't want to rub too much salt into the wound for Reed because I do like him as a player. Uh, but yeah, he he definitely came to this game and had sort of amped himself up to be the man of the match and it backfired badly. Yeah, I'll, you know, oh, sorry. No, I was going to say enough about Reed, but if you want to go more about Reed, then. I was just one little anecdote as one of the blokes in the Discord let us know that he was over on the, was it the, no, not the Western side. It was the Mick Cronin stand. Yeah, the Mick Cronin stand and Reed made a. a, Beeline straight, because I saw it while I was there. 
deliver it to go stretch over on the fence and uh, get it amongst the Eels fans. So, Suck up the hand around. Yeah, I've, yeah. Ne- I've never seen it happen before. Never seen well, a player. I don't think you'll see it happen again. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. Um, but yeah, I noticed how it was like, oh, and you saw him laughing there, and he was trying to roll himself up. That's that made me a little bit more confident because I knew his 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 mind wasn't in the game. His mind was trying to stir up the controversy around it. So that was a little win for the was there. But back to that physicality we were talking about earlier, forty. Mike Acevo, it was technically his worst game for runs and run meters. Only eight runs for seventy five meters. But this is what I'm talking about, willingness to ruck the ball back. Every run was hard. It was determined. And, yes, it was a read. But that's what, you know, that's what I want to see from Micah. He was he was busting every time he seemed like he was breaking through the first defender. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see the jog up, turn, and get injured. I want to see run hard, get a quick play of the ball. And you know what? By the end of this match, he was a little bit tired. He had he had one slow play of the ball, but every seven other runs he was absolutely fantastic. That's what I want to see from Micah. You know the numbers don't matter to me necessarily. It's the willingness to ruck the ball out. That's why Micah was right up there for mine for this match, despite the numbers not showing it. And I guess the other thing was with the illness to Hodgson in the lead up, uh, mm-hmm. late switch in hands, having to go to the eighty. And I thought he did a fantastic job for the majority of the game. There was only really that. Um, last set where he threw a pass from dummy half, which hit um, some ankles. But yeah. beyond that, I thought he did really well. I mean, what a week for him, right? He just re-ups with the Eels for two years and then gets his first NRL start and he's going the full 80 uh, against a, you know, a storied rival for the Parramatta Eels. So he did a fantastic job. Like you said, it wasn't flawless. Uh, there was a, that late error there. Uh, but defensively, again, very sound. There were a couple of missed tackles this week, but his first up contact has been very good. His service is getting better and better. Um, you can see that he's really firing it off the ground, which is what you love to see from a dummy half. And, you know, eventually you're gonna, you'd think that the running game will come into it when those opportunities are provided off the fast by the balls, which I know at Parramatta we don't get as much as other teams because of that uh, sort of, uh, uh, what's it called I'm looking for? Not not dichotomy, but uh, the, the difference in ruck speeds between us and our opposition in, in ruck interpretations. But, yeah, he has been uh, a real pleasant surprise to him because we watched him in reserve grade last year and it wasn't like he was bad. Uh, he was very solid, uh, but he's clearly a player that has been promoted to a higher format, a higher level of play, and rises to that level. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, last year he bounced around between mainly lock and halfback. Yeah, halfback, 5'8", and then occasionally, well, I think it was on the interchange and also starting at dummy half here and there as well. So, yeah, he was a victim of his versatility, and that's now been his real strength because uh, he's now that specialist 14 that can also start at number nine. So, yeah, really, really cool story arc for Brendan, and I uh, hope he can continue to improve because he's been a big part of why the Eels have turned around uh, in the last couple of weeks. You know, just having someone to deputise Hodgson and bringing that energy into the team that I think has been important. The the one thing I do like about him is he's not afraid to play simple. He's he's not afraid to just get his forwards on the roll, and when it comes time, give the ball to the backs. That's what I like about his play. He understands that he's young in the team, he's new in the team, he's young into first grade. Get the ball in the more experienced guy's hands who can, you know, are experienced at this level and do the the big flashy plays. He's not worried about getting his numbers up. He's not worried about the line break assist, try assist, whatever. The one, the one slight, very small criticism I have of him at the moment is, and I think that's why Hodgson doesn't get credit for is uh, try like Hodgson's a lot of the time first in contact. I, I think hands, once he gets used to the speed of the game, once he gets up to the physicality of first grade, he'll, he'll you know, go and chase the collision as, as we like to say. But at the moment, he's not leading that line, which I, I would like to see eventually. But in saying that 23 years old, four games into first grade, he's, he's doing really well. And then the other thing that came out was the rejig of the starting pack, which had Regan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Paulo, Sean Lane, Ryan Madison on an edge, and then Jermaine Hopgood at starting lock. Did you like how that worked, or do you think we'll see a return to Bryce Cartwright in second row? I really enjoyed it. I really enjoy, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Madison. That's why I didn't try and hop on the train of everyone putting shit on him when he, he took the, the suspension yeah, over. Yeah, clearly the made a mistake, time. but you move on from it, exactly. Yeah, I, I, you know... The fact that 
a bloke like him can play edge and middle and do both very effectively. That's it's a huge it's a huge bonus for the mm-hmm. team. Like it's rare. There aren't that many guys in a row that can do what he can do at such a high level in both capacities. Uh, we did see him push a pass. There was one really bad offload on halfway where it didn't need to happen. But conversely, I think it was like two or three sets later, he puts Will Penasini away for brilliant offload. So, you know, the guy is incredibly versatile, incredibly effective, uh, incredibly effective, sorry. Uh, and he's just built like a Greek Adonis, isn't he? He's massive, big impact, great post-contact meters. Um, you know, he, he is a big part of the engine of the Parramatta team. And Junior and Reg are really the one and two in that regard. But Maddo... I'm, I know that fans appreciate him, but Maddo in general probably deserves to have more plaudits for what he brings to the team as part of that big three in the middle. To me, if you had, you know, take out hands for the time being, that forward pack eight to 13, they could all play Origin tomorrow and none of them would look, would look out of place. Yeah, agreed. And we know that Billy Slater's got his eyes on Jermaine and they do love to pick a bolter like that. And, you know, I think with Hopgood, uh, it's not about tempering expectations, but for him, the, he's got an error or two in his game right now. And that needs to be tidied up. But you can just see the raw materials there, can't you? Uh, you know, his ability to play before the line, through the line. Uh, he's not huge, but his post-contact meters are excellent because he uses his leg speed really well. Um, he is a fantastic young forward. And uh, I, I think that the you know, there's going to be some good news in that front when it comes to him uh, and his tenure at the club. So hopefully that can uh, get done soon. I mean, he's only played 16 games. Like, can you imagine Hopgood after 50 games, you know, or mm-hmm. 100 games? Like, mm-hmm. what? And the responsibility, like he can, like he'll have, like I just feel. As, and look, I'm not comparing, uh, like another player I'd like is if Dory, if he can get his, you know, his tank, oh, you know, his engine better, or whatever. If he can play like 60 minutes, great, or 70 minutes, like then you can have the possibility of you can rotate, you know, Dory, and you know he can have him in the starting lineup, but then you can put Matto to the bench, or you can, you know, then you've got flexibility amongst Matto, Dory, and um, uh, and Hopgood, and which is, you know, we need as much flexibility as we can. With the way um, our our forward pack is essentially, so I, I still think with Matt Birdie is that uh, while he's a, a specialist edge runner, I think that if he's on the bench, you can still throw him into the middle and let him rip and tear uh, for 10, 15 minutes as well when you need it. Uh, you know, he, he, he's, he's and you know you mentioned that uh, Matto's built like a Greek Adonis, but like um, uh, Dory's, a, you know, he's a thick human, like he's, he's, he's built, fridge. and that's why I like him <laughs> running like you like try against Manly, like you know, a fresh Dory is very hard to stop. And, like, that's why I said, if he can get his engine tank up, you know, and get close to, like, you know, 60 minutes of, you know, good football, he's going to be a very good handy player on the bench or starting. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on there. And I think just, yeah, his ability to attack a fatiguing defensive line, maybe turning back inside against fatiguing forwards or in behind the ruck, he, he's got the leg speed and the aggressiveness to break through contact there. So, yeah, I'm glad that he's back in the team as of uh, the game against Canterbury and also moving ahead too. So I think that's that's the best for the balance of this team is having him uh, there on the interchange. All right. Well, I think it's not a bad game if you can put 30 points on the board um, and still come away saying you've got lots to work on yep. and only concede one try as well. And I know the Bulldogs didn't throw much, but, you know, it is what it is. Well, I mean, just on Canterbury, it's a very sad state of affairs for them watching Kyle Flanagan out there and him getting shunted around because of his lack of impact. They had Josh Reynolds on. Reid was playing... Uh, like I know there was some debate here about whether it was lock or halfback, but it was essentially just playing first receiver and distributing the ball around. And, yeah, God, for as much as they've made some steps this year, they've still got so far to go uh, from a, a player management or list management sort of deal, uh, as well as, you know, just the overall team balance. One right, last sledge. Oh, sorry. One, I was going to say one last sledge and read. I know you guys tell <laughs> yeah. like, no, like, legit, like how many times do we see the opposition hooker, you know, kill us? I'm talking about Danny Levi. The fact is, this guy had zero impact. Does that confirm Danny Levi is a better hooker than Reed Marnie? I think all signs point to yes. <laughs> we, uh, and the other thing I wanted to mention is we got a great guffo photo out of this game when he had that cut in his eye and getting the old school headband around it to sort of like tie it, tie it up. And so he looks like the old warrior king out there, blood pouring down the face with the uh, headband. All right, well, let's wrap it up there and we'll move on to the SG ball, which saw the Eels victorious in their finals game, 18 to the West. Magpies 10, Triscorus Twiddle with a double and Arthur and Sanders 3 off the boot. So um, this was the best crop of West's Tigers juniors that uh, their coach had seen come through, but not good enough to beat the Eels. Yeah, I, I will say this in their defence, that most of that team is a year young for West. They won the Harold Mats last year, and they've got some ginormous human beings coming through in the, the year young bracket there. But yeah, the class of the Eels prevailed here, Ham. It took us a while. 
the last 10 minutes was really when we put it all together with the spine players combining a couple of times. Uh, but yeah, big, fast, physical game. Not the highest quality for most of it in terms of completion rates, but uh, the contact was strong and like, yeah, the pace was torrid. So it was good to see the Eels have the calm and the composure at the end to get the job done when they were trailing. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the Magpies team, I think they're a very good junior team. I'm not sh- sure how many will make it to first grade. But then again, I'm not too sure how many will make it from the Parramatta team. It's, it's all up in the air at the moment. You don't really know. But uh, we played like we played this game like we would be playing Penrith in first grade. You hold in there, you hold in there, you hold in there, you beat them at the end. And that's that's where we got them in this one. It was very tough battle. Um, they're number uh, eight. I think it was uh, Jordan Miller's huge. You know, obviously we've got Lance Fulema and uh, Sam Tuavati, and he was he was bigger than those two boys. So he's sort of um, LeBron Tuala like in that sense. But uh, other than that, like this, it was just a really strong performance from this team. Um, they just stuck in there, really. I, I'd, it's it's hard one to pick sort of who were standouts because I just I think yeah. If I gun to, gun to my head, I think uh, maybe Matty Arthur and Upper Tweedle, uh, Ethan also very good there as well in the last moments. But uh, they they took over the game when it was there to be won, which is you know obviously super important. Yeah, so the, the one uh, there was one there, Matty Arthur. He's, we um, had a kick for touch, and it was obviously a set play. But you know, it, it, in trying to play eyes up football, they. they he didn't. He just threw the ball over the sideline. That sort of soured me a little bit on him. But then that's the high expectations I hold of young Arthur there. I hold him a very, very high expectation. So the fact that, you know, I can pinpoint one error uh, shows you sort of how good he, he was in that instance. I think he nearly went for He went for a 40 21 point and he just missed out, I believe. Uh, I'll say with your picks there, 40, um, you know, we might start calling you Ruan Sims. The two try scorers are your two best on field. <laughs> well, Arpa's, I wouldn't say he's been quiet last couple of weeks, but this was a very strong return to form for him. And, Watching the game, those two tries weren't just, you know, fall over the line and score. One was he made the the opportunity down the left edge from inside the red zone, uh, going with the ball and two hands in front of the defensive line, creating indecision. And the second one, which was the game winner, was just a, or the important one, was the uh, wonderful combination of the spine. I think it was uh, uh, Dean, I think, Cam, that started it with a run through the middle. Uh, yeah, and an offload to Sanders. Yeah, who then found uh, Tw- uh, Tweedle, so... Yeah, good good interchange of play there between uh, obviously Matty Arthur's and that movement too with uh, uh, Alma Dean. But yeah, they, they didn't play anywhere near a perfect game. But like I said, the resilience, the calm, the composure when the game was there to be won got them over the line. And they're going to need another gear next week because they're taking on the best team in the regular season in the Canberra Raiders. Uh, but they, they put um, 35 minutes of good football up against Canberra when they played over uh, in the nation's capital earlier this year. It was a second half that undid them, so they're going to need to play a complete game. Uh, but they've certainly got the talent to challenge them, Ham. Absolutely. We'll talk about that in the preview. They are. And Matt's Eels 18 with try scorers Fagalele, Tito, and Funaluta. And Ferugia 3 off the boot, defeating the Sharks 4 points. And boys, what did you have to say about this one? This, uh, as much as the, the ball didn't play a perfect game, this was close to a perfect game from the Harold Mats. I thought they were outstanding to a man in this grade. Uh, they played physical and fast, completely dominated this game in a game where they were up against 14 men on the field. The referee absolutely hammered them. I think Cronulla might have completed two sets coming out of their red zone hand because they got a penalty every other possession, it felt like. Uh, and the Eels did a tremendous job defensively to hold on and, and maintain their control of the ruck. And that's where I thought players like uh, um, Mikhail Tito were outstanding. Captain Josiah Funo Ayuta was tremendous. Went on to score for the last try of the game, but really dominated that right or the left edge of the Sharks, but the right edge of Parramatta. Uh, yeah, so they, they were really, really good. Um, very, very happy with this team performance, Ham. Uh, yeah, the one, the one, uh, it's probably the best game I've seen from Corey Lee at fullback mm-hmm. there. He just powered into the line. I really enjoyed uh, Lee, Ferrugia, Vela, and Kaburi in this game. They, they really tasked themselves with trying to smash and play that. Penrith style of um, outside back where they're the ones taking the bulk runs, taking the big hit-ups early on to make sure that the forwards don't have to run back to the 20-metre line to take a hit up there. They're at the 40-metre line taking a hit-up. So, you know, credit to those four guys. I thought Seve had a little bit more work to do. He didn't get as involved as those players. Um, so, you know, not not 
bashing the young fella, but you know those ones, those players really stood out to me. Seven, uh, it is worth reminding everyone is the junior member of his backline too. He's got. Oh, a, is he young? Yeah. Oh, well, there, there you go. Um, I thought Zaitis had another game. Those that watched it would, would have seen the, the way you, you try and describe your style of running. Like you, you say, he's a running dummy. I'd, I'd say he's a running dummy half. But the way he runs, it's not like a dummy half. That's it's it's a weird like because he's only very new to the role. He's only very new to the position. Uh, very much like an outside back playing hooker, but. He's very good passing off the ground. He's got a kick in him that I, th- I believe nearly got a 40-20 as well. Uh, other than that, though, Tyson Sanglang just never stops. Yeah, he's got a big engine uh, at lock forward. I thought Mason Ong brought some venom and defense off the interchange, Ham. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he and Ocean, both of them, like, they got on a, important points in the game when you know we needed a bit of uh, staunch. Is that what is that what you yeah, say? Uh, starch, staunch, yeah, they both starch. A bit of starch coming off in, in, in some runs. There's some good interchanges there. Um the only thing with this team, the the the, the my biggest criticism I have is just the kicking game. I that's mm-hmm. if if they had someone that could kick the ball a little bit deeper, that they'd be close to unstoppable. But it's just it's that kicking game that's just letting them down at this point. Was it Mark Williams that had what looked like a complete brain explosion at dummy half with a late hit, then backed it up into a seventy meter charge down. Was it? This? Yeah, uh, yeah, because he the no, yeah, he just charged it down. I believe because uh, yeah, there was a, there was a hit from dummy half that just gave away a penalty. It was obvious, and I, I I got a bit frustrated looking at it. And then he to his credit, he immediately backed it up by flipping the field completely for a huge charge down and recovery. And he actually uh, shed a tackle as well, the big man. So. Yeah, this was just a very good all-round team victory. Uh, and it's a sort of football, like you said, Ham, the only real accusation you could levy at this team as a weakness when they're playing like this is that long kicking game. Um, and obviously, uh, Fungalele and Talatina bring plenty to the table outside of that. They're both dynamic runners of the ball and support their teammates tremendously well off the ball. So it's not like and they're, they're both not... really good defenders for half. Yeah, well, Junior uh, Fungalele, Fungalele, or Junior Fungalele, I think he was credited or should have been credited with two forced mistakes from tackles. He absolutely rattled the rib cages of the, uh, I think it was the right, the left edge of Cronulla, uh, and forced a couple of errors, uh, big time errors on the goal line. So, yeah, as as much as that kicking game can be a detriment to the Eels in terms of uh, the clearing kicks, uh, yeah, Talatina and Fungalay both bring plenty to the team. Otherwise, so yeah, re- really good to see this team in through into the grand final qualifier. Sorry, and yeah, uh, if they play like that, they can absolutely beat anyone that's left in this competition. Yeah, well, I, you know, it goes to show you there against was the lowest in the competition. Um, the next closest was the Sharks, eight points ahead, uh, lower than and the Knights, 14 points. So the fact you got two very strong defending halves is the reason why mm-hmm. they have the lowest uh, points scored against them this year. And then, unfortunately, not the result we were after in Tasha Gale. Steelers 20 defeating the Eels 4 with Alicia Bell getting over the try. Um Try line. Um, how do you see these ones, guys? This, I don't know how you saw it, Ham, but I was very frustrated because they had Illawarra absolutely rattled in the first 30 minutes. In that first half, they had them on the ropes and just could not land the knockout blow. Uh, they just, you know, were out, out physical in them or out, out like when the collisions more, they had them downhill. Uh, defensively, they were all over them, but just could not get over, convert that pressure into points. Uh, Illawarra got to half time, got to oranges, and came out with a renewed focus. And i got to say that uh, Isaiah Yo's little sister was the halfback for this team. And I don't know why she's playing for Illawarra when her brother's playing for Penrith, uh, but she was tremendous in this game. She has uh, like NRLW star written all over her, Sienna Yo. Uh, she, she was the difference between these two teams uh, and was yeah huge in spearheading that comeback uh, and eventual comfortable win. Yeah, um, I thought Lindsay Tui, you talk about running downhill, yeah, she, she was, she was the ball. Yeah, she, she was... And there was a couple of really nice uh, defensive cleanups as well, where she'd come from the other side of the field, seeing that there was going to be a threat of a kick infield and tied it up. Um, I thought she could definitely hold her, hold her head up high from this one. She gave it everything. Uh, and, you know, I say hold your head up high. Uh, there was plenty of good efforts on the field. It just was one of those games where almost like uh, analogous to our game against the West Tigers on Easter Monday in NRL, where we just weren't effectively completing stuff uh, despite, you know, having good position. So, yeah. Very, very frustrating, uh, and obviously brings an end to their campaign. Uh, but, you know, the, the pathways go back-to-back, the Tashigar pathways go back-to-back finals campaigns now, which is an excellent step for the program. 
they're going to be stronger next season with the uh, inclusion of that very, very talented uh, Lisa Fiala team. And, you know, obviously there'll be some graduates from this team too that will join what you hope is the Parramatta NRLW pathways with an eventual Harvey Norman's women's, women's premiership team that then feeds into the NRLW team. But, yeah, they'll be better in the long term as well. So as much as it hurts now, this program is going from strength to strength. Absolutely, and I think, um, yeah, only with that Lisa Fiola Cup team coming up, again, it's just we should be looking again all three grades next year in the uh, in the junior reps. 100%. Then in the flag, Eels going down 22 to the Dogs, 26. Munro, Puafisi, Chase and Reed going over. Loizu, three from four off the boot. We didn't see this because this one clashed with the uh, junior reps, so... I could not give you an informed notice about uh, what this game was won or lost in for the Parramatta Reels. Obviously, they were highly competitive up against a, a fellow sort of top-of-the-table team, which is good. Uh, but, yeah, I can't give you any relevant feedback. Yeah, I just saw the highlights. That was all. No, I was just going to say I saw the highlights. Some soft tries, some good tries from us. Um, but, yeah, unfortunate because they could have gone five, which would have equaled their uh, longest winning streak in the competition going into the bye. But... You know, unfortunately, it is what it is. And um, they're losing four points to a team as good as the Bulldogs is, um, you know, a a win, especially where this team is. uh, Worth considering as well, Ham, this was a team that got hit by the injury bug pretty bad this week. Uh, They were down Brock Parker, uh, Terrell Williams, and Bo Nuance, uh, all victims of that big win over the West Tigers. So, yeah, doing, doing a bit tough on the injury front this week, and they still managed to put up a very credible effort against a good team. Then the New South Wales Cup also going down six to the Bulldogs, 28. Jack Murchie, the line try scorer there, and that was the curtain raise of the first grade. Yeah, well, this this was the one where the scoreline, I think, flattered Parramatta pretty significantly. felt like Canterbury could have scored another three or four times pretty easily. Uh, we played dreadful. <laughs> that, that, there is not much to take out of this game. We played awful. Um, I thought in terms of players that were reasonable, um, I thought Luca Moretti was okay. Uh, Jake Arthur did a few good things, but wasn't at his best either. Um, just trying to think who else was on this field. Um, I didn't see it, so I have no idea. So uh, Wanga Blake got hurt in this game. He uh, left the field in the second half after uh, clutching at a shoulder or, or thereabouts, maybe a little bit close to his chest. I wasn't sure what it was. Jordan Rankin had a real rough game. Ogden did a couple of really good things, but then some really bad things got sin-binned. Um, yeah, it, 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 it wasn't a good game, boys. We, we defended poorly, we attacked poorly. We, our completions in this game were dreadful. I think we're down at, yeah, 63%. Um, so just, a, I mean, the Dogs are obviously a very good team. They came to that round leading the competition and exit that round leading the competition on the back of a good win. But, um, yeah, we, we just played really, really poor. Then on the news front, not too much to report, unless you guys have anything. Not for Parramatta, I don't think there was. There's obviously a few things here and there in the NRL, but also nothing, you know, revelatory in terms of changing the uh, state of the game. Nothing that I've got either. So let's jump straight into the previews, which will be the junior reps. Um, the S... No, we'll go Harold Matz first. So Saturday, the 22nd of April, 4.15pm, Newcastle Knights taking on the Eels. And that one is to take place at well, both of these at Leichhardt Oval. Uh, boys, you guys are going to be in attendance, are yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Barring something crazy happening, I'll be out there 100%. Uh, and Ham... I don't think you can make it, right? I'm maybe. I'm supposed to be going out to Mudgee this weekend, but uh, the person I'm visiting currently has COVID, so um, oh. it's a maybe at this point. We'll see. At the very least, though, he'll have access to the live stream as well, all fans, so uh, there is no reason not to watch this short of being flat out busy on Saturday. Yeah, good point there. So that'll be streamed live on New South Wales Rugby League TV, which you can access from... Um, the New South Wales Rugby League website, or I think they put up the stream on Facebook. Yes, well. they do. They all stream on Facebook, yeah. And how do we see us coming into this one? Obviously, Newcastle are usually pretty good in the mats and the ball grades. Yeah, I've, I've, got, a, I've, got, I've got a form on Newcastle at the moment. I've, I haven't heard about them. I haven't seen them play. I don't know any of their players, so mm. can't really comment on those ones. But we played Canberra earlier in the year, and um, they've lost their fullback, Chevy Stewart. He's the one that carved us up, I believe. Um, sort of in this game, he's, he's yeah, gone that, on the higher honours for them. I believe he's playing a uh, reserve grade for them at the moment. And our lineups changed. We got back uh, Richard Penasini, Blaze Talangi. Uh, who else we got back in there? I can't come you You've gone off too quickly. You're going on the SG ball. We're talking about. <laughs> oh, <the> mate. <laughs> oh, <Sorry>. shit. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, in the in the mats, which are, uh, which is the one we're kicking off at four fifteen p.m. We didn't play uh, Newcastle that we have. This is another yeah. this is another blind game. So this is going to be very interesting to see. Uh, we haven't got a real feel or a bead on how this team has performed. When I say this team, the the Newcastle Knights, obviously, um, they they made a jump over us at the last week of the regulation season as well. Uh, we had the lead on them, but they got better for and against uh, by a plus twenty. So very close between the two teams. Uh, this is going to be a real interesting game because of it. But yeah, I don't, I'm not really, I mean, there's a Hagen in there um, in terms of like bloodline players, if that is a relation to Michael Hagen. Uh, there's not many other players that really jump out as like second or third generation players there. Um, so yeah, this, this will be a game where you're just looking to control what you can control. If Parramatta play like they did against Cronulla, they're going to be not impossible to beat. Uh, that defensive grit, like that just carries you to premierships if you can produce it on a you know a sort of free game basis in the first week grand final qualifier and grand final obviously and that's yeah for me ham what the the focus is about go out there play physical defense and you know and don't give away too many penalties if you can't if you can't help it but sometimes like we saw for Cronulla the referee is just going to kill you uh, and then you just got to back yourselves to hold the line and that's what they did yeah I think again it's that um, eight to thirteen or even extending it to Lockie Kornakis Vivella and Ong that forward pack really needs to step up again. Um, they, they, that's where they'll win it, and then the backs will just sort of do their thing. And then him, sorry, you were being <laughs> Raiders, 5.45 p.m., also on Saturday, 22nd of April at Leichhardt Oval. So Raiders coming into this, they were top of the table against us in fourth at the end of the regular season. Yeah, and Ham made a great point that one of the players that really killed us in that clash uh, at Belconnen, I think it was, was Chevy Stewart, who went – up to flag and then was immediately promoted to New South Wales Cup. So he's obviously killing it in the senior football grades and a big loss uh, to this SG Ball Raiders outfit. But despite that, they'll still be very competitive, I'd say. Uh, they were very good across the park against Parramatta and it wasn't just their fullback that killed them. So, yeah, the, the Eels know what it, what is up or what lies up ahead for them and they know that they've got to be better than what they showed in the second half against Canberra uh, in order to be competitive. But like Ham also sort of was starting to get to uh, this is also an improved team in terms of the roster that has taken them on from the one that made the trip to Belconnen. Yeah, you got <laughs> as I, before. I was rudely interrupted, <laughs> rightfully so. Um, you got the return of Richard Penasini there, Blaze Talangi. Uh, those two guys alone add class, add size, um, add speed to the back line. Uh, um, still a little, you know, that, that, that forward pack. I do like it, uh, but it's, again, it's just hard to say. Up, you only see Raiders once um, this year, so. You know, fingers crossed it'll be a tight game and uh, fingers crossed the mighty blue and gold can um, get over the one, terrible There is one green. change to the team. It looks like Kobe Herford um, coming into the team for, I imagine, Raf Destratus. Yeah, Raf had a uh, HIA. Yes, he did. He was a bit dusty in that concussion. game. Yeah, so it looks like it was probably a cat one based on that and he'll be in a mandatory 11-day stand down. So it would be eligible to play the grand final if they do get through this grand final qualifier. But, it's uh, not worth it. Yeah. Co- at, co- at this age, it's no, not no, worth exactly. It. Not not if there's any real like serious concerns about the concussion there for him. So uh Kobe not exactly chump change himself. He'll come on and add some physicality through the middle. Uh, but yeah, the, this is a good team on pay for Paramount. This is their best team all season, uh, outside of obviously Raf's exclusion there due to concussion. But Kobe's certainly no slouch. And yeah, there's got a I like the physicality against West uh Western Suburbs Ham, but I just feel like they've just got to be a bit smarter. Almost like the first grade team, really, isn't it? Like the the sort of takeouts or the dip sheet from the two wins uh, against Canterbury and uh, obviously Western Suburbs for the SG Ball is the physicality was excellent, but you need to have a better plan when you're attacking and need to be more efficient when you're executing. And that's probably yeah, what I'd say to both NRL and SG Ball moving into their next two games. Well, with the flag, we have a bye uh, this upcoming week and then into reserve grade. Warriors in second position, taking the Eels at eighth. 10 a.m. at North Harbour Stadium, Auckland, on Sunday, the 23rd of April. And having a look at this, there's a couple of ins, a couple of outs. So Wunga Blake, as he said, that injury, he's out. Uh, Komalafi, has something happened to him as well? Oh, it's all it's all a big grimness team list, I think. It's a bit rough. But given that it's a game being played in New Zealand, I suppose what could be up for consideration too is that you usually be talking about form, injury, and suspension for team selections, but uh, visas or passports also in play here, yeah. and there's a good chance that some of these boys Very might true. not have had their passports because no one's gone to New Zealand for the last few years because of COVID. So, yeah. 
Yeah, well, you see Jira out, Komalafi out, Mitch Rain out, Nico Apalu out, and Wonga Blake also out. So Dejan Arce goes to well, he's been playing a bit of fullback, but Josh Minhinick coming into wing. And then you've got Lumi Luby playing in centre. So uh, it's a bit of a rough lineup we've got there, but at least Bailey Simonson's coming back to get some game time in a wing in reserve grade if he does need to be called back well, up. Well, yeah, it's going to be an interesting weekend for Bowie because I assume he's going to fly up to Darwin, given that the game's played on Friday and there'll be enough time to fly back if he is to play. But if he is going to play in North Harbour, flying up to Darwin, flying back and then flying over to North Harbour is a bit rough. So have to wait and see if he's still going to play there. I think in terms of opportunities, uh, Jaden Yates is probably the player with the most to play for this week. He gets caught into the starting team with the absence of Mitch Rain. So hopefully he can put together a good game. Uh, Jack Murchie continue to try and build back towards a return to NRL, obviously. Uh, and then on the interchange, Hamish, uh, the the double-double, the big hyphen, Jonte Jr., the lone flag player caught up from that bye to play. I thought it was very good against Penrith, and hopefully we can have another good game against the Warriors here. I'm going to say Ham agrees with that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to first grade then. So Eels in 12th, now rocketing up the um, list after a couple of back-to-back wins uh, against the Broncos in first, 8 p.m. Friday, the 21st of April, all the way up at TIO Stadium, Darwin. Channel 9, 9 now, KO, Foxtel, uh, local radio. So um, what has come out of this is, uh, I guess, uh, everybody's sort of complaining that we're playing a Queensland team up in Darwin. Um, but from my understanding is that we take the game up there and then it gets allocated whoever our opposition is going to be. So we get zero say in who we're actually playing when we go up there. My issue isn't the Broncos. It's the five-day turnaround, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, well, hopefully we get the woes of the draw out in this first half of the season with a lot of the, you know, the, the turnarounds, playing teams off the bye, the short five-day turnaround. Things have to level out in the back half, don't they? Yeah. I mean, you'd hope so. <laughs> Look, I don't got a problem. Like, you know, I said this earlier in the Discord, like, we, have, we've left, we haven't left Sydney yet, right? So I can't complain about the draw as much, but at least give us a nine-day turnaround the next week or a 10-day turnaround because... When we come back, like I highly doubt we're going to do much reco- or highly doubt we'll, we'll do much field work. It'll be all recovery, so it's either, either give us a long turnaround in the beginning or after the game. So yeah. Well, what I was reading in the paper today is that in the um, the extended break we had before between the Penrith and the West Tigers game, they only ran three sessions in that eleven days, um, as to sort of negate any of that cumulative fatigue, so that we we had our eye on this match and the short turnaround. So. We wouldn't be too fatigued coming into this match, even though it was a couple of weeks away. But obviously the team has put in place something to alleviate it, but they're going to be playing in about 33 degrees is the uh, current weather report. So um, hopefully they've got the pickle yeah. juice up with the so sideline. 70% humidity and a good chance of thunderstorms as well. So we might get our first rain in Darwin after how long has it been now? Nearly 10 years? Coming up to that, yeah. Yeah, so it's hard to believe that we haven't played a game without at least any like some kind of inclement weather in the tropics, but... There is a almost a 50-50 chance, looking at this forecast right like this far out from Friday, that there is a good chance of thunderstorms. All right, with that complaining aside, let's start with the team list, which for the Bulldogs, Reese Walsh at fullback, Corey Oates returns from that broken jaw, with Selwyn Cobbo on the other wing, Katoni Staggs, Herbie Farmworth in the centres, Ezra Mam and Adam Reynolds in the halves, Thomas Flegler, Payne Haas starting props with Billy Walters at nine, Kirk Capewell, Jordan Rickey in the second row with Pat Carrigan at lock, Interchange bench, Corey Pakes, Corey Jensen, Kobe Hetherington, Marty Tapau, and then the extended bench, Jesse Arthurs, Keenan Palisea, Jock Madden, Brendan Pakura, and Dean Marina, or Mariner. Um, for us, we have Clint Gusson at fullback, Maker Sevo and Hayes Dunster on the wing, Will Penaceti, Sean Russell in the centres, Dill Brown, Mitch Moses in the halves, RCG, Junior Paulo starting props, Josh Hodgson returns uh, at hooker, Sean Lane, Bryce Cartwright named in the starting second row, Ryan Madison at lock, Jermaine Hopgood, Brendan Hands, Wiramu Gregg and Matt Dury all on the bench with Jake Arthur, Jack Murchie, Makasi Makatoa, Bailey Simonson and Dejon Arcee in the extended bench. Um, so looking at that, there might be some late changes there with Bryce Cartwright to go onto the bench, Jermaine Hopgood to start, Ryan Madison to starting second row and then there was a bit of news today about... Uh, Adam Reynolds on light duties and Jock Madden coming onto the bench with the potential for him to be playing on Friday night. Uh, but as we've all surmised, uh, Adam Reynolds seems to be on pretty light duties for <laughs> they, they seem to be nursing him through the yeah. season at this point. He's forty years old, for fuck's sake! Like, give give the give the old fella a chance, you know? <laughs> he should be doing full duties at his age. Um, all right, Bertie, what do you like about this matchup? Um, 
Uh, is it bad to say I'm actually scared of Broncos? Like, you know, they, Mate, they've, they've started the the season on fire. We're waiting for the second half to collapse. Hopefully, it starts on Friday night. Like, they've just got this period. Oh, sorry, they've got this. You know, in them where they can, you know, grind it out for a bit, and then for, within you know ten fifteen minute period, they can put on like three four tries. You know, and it's just um, you know, against it. I know it was against the Dragons. They you know they killed them, and even like um, the Titans. I just. I feel as though, and I'm having flashbacks to last year when we played them at home, where they literally had all the ball. You know, they were just too good for us. We had, we didn't touch the ball for ten minutes, and um, I just they just can put points on it. And you know, Reese Walsh, you know, he, he he might be playing Origin this year. Like they got a lot of X factor in this team. You got to respect them, to be honest. You know, Payne Haas, unbelievable prop. You know, for them, and then they're not. This isn't this isn't the Broncos of old where we'll, you know we put fifty eight on them or fifty on them. Like they're a very good team, so I'm a bit nervous. Um, yeah, it just it feels so. Can you get an ambush even though it's a home game? You know, can it be an ambush for us? Yeah, like Especially us, you know, us ambushing them or them ambushing us. I mean, look, well, everything's going against us this round, in my opinion. Like nothing's gone our way, or nothing will. We'll, we'll get no favors in terms of the draw, traveling. Um, you know, some players. Uh, I just feel as though our backs are up against the wall for this game, even though we just won well on the weekend. So can that be? You know, like yeah. and all the all the. All the all the hype will be about on the Broncos. Yeah, I think that's fair. Ham, 40. Uh, I, I think the game plan for this one has to be Sevo has to target Adam Reynolds on those big, uh, I believe Reynolds plays right side. So on those kicks, wind up, have the target on the front of uh, Adam Reynolds' chest and um, the forwards need to be running at Billy Walters. Just exactly the same game plan, exactly, exactly the way we played the Bulldogs at the start. Get... Make as many meters as possible. Obviously, that's it. That that's a given. But just roll it into the end goal. Be happy with a repeat set. Now, I know. That I understand they'll be going short. But even just that repeat set, just make them defend. Especially up in this heat, you want your opposition to defend as much as possible because you'll always get them in the back half of the game. So I don't care if we don't put a point. If we, if we force ten dropouts in the first half, we don't put a point on. I'm not concerned because we'll get them in the back. We'll get them in the back end of this game. That's that's what I want to say. I just want us to play controlled football, smart football, con- conservative to an extent. I still, if if the opportunity is there, like the try that uh, Moses scored, go for it. But there's no need. There's no need to push an offload. There's no need to to, to throw a risky pass. There's no re- reason to kick a risky kick. Just complete your set, control it well, get it into the end goal. Forty. Yeah. Um, obviously, for the Eels, it's about continuing to build. Uh, this is, I don't know, you can look at it two ways. It's a really bad timing for the Eels taking on the best team in the competition in terms of form, or it's a great opportunity for Parramatta to continue their ascent back to their best uh, with a reminder that we also played incredible football in round four. You know, this is a game where I think you need that same mindset that you had approaching that Penrith game because you're taking on a team that in the Brisbane Broncos have been struggling for a long time, but you could see the, the talent there. And that talent needed time and obviously a decent head coach around it. And, and Walters has done a good job nurturing those young players. And now they're in their prime, ready to you know put together a premiership contending uh, sort of push. So for the Parramatta Eels, it's going to be about matching up with Payne, Haas, Carrigan and Flegler through the middle. Uh, Junior, Reg, Maddo, Hopgood, uh, you know, obviously Wiramu as well. <clears throat> are all going to have to be on their A game to match this forward pack because that's where so much of Brisbane's damage is done is through the middle. They've got that fantastic blend of uh, relentlessness and Carrigan and, and insane power and uh, explosive playmaking of Payne Haas and company. So uh, through the middle is going to be huge here. But then, you know, I also have to complain a little bit because it feels like every bloody game, there's a key inclusion for opposition and Corey Oates is the one this week. And it's not so long ago that you would have said uh, Corey Oates and laughed about it, but he's back in career best form and he is absolutely devastating near the goal line. So, uh, of his ability to both take the high ball and just uh, steam over his opposite winger. So, yeah, outside backs going to have their work cut out for him. Sean Ross in particular. Is he up against Stags, boys? Is that the matchup for him? Yeah, not could, quite sure, to be honest. I think, I think Tony is the right centre. Yeah, uh, he's the right centre. That's going to be a very difficult defensive assignment for him. Uh, he's obviously going to need some help from Sean Lane uh, and, and Deal and obviously Micah as well. So, yeah, the Eels just need to continue that, that physicality. They've got to be patient too because these Darwinian conditions are going to be brutal. And, you know, you've you got to maybe not force passes. Like Ham said, be conservative. Don't be afraid to use the grubber kick. Uh, you know, get, get that ball on the ground where it can cause mistakes for the opposition and force line dropouts and whatnot. So, 
yeah, power game through the middle is the focus here and then just seize those opportunities when they present themselves against a very good team. On that note, I hope that they have been training for their short uh, kickoff uh, for, uh, or dropout returns because mm-hmm. uh, we were pretty woeful on the weekend against those. Um, let's get sorry just just on that the one, I, I forgot to bring it up in the in the in the review the one that really annoyed me was on those kickoffs we had Brendan Hand standing in the front line where did Matt Burton drop it on whose head did he drop it on Brendan Hands get him out of the front line put Mike Acevo there seriously it's just like there's such an obvious tactic and yet we just fluffed it three times because they dropped it every single time on Brendan Hands head so this week if they're going to look like they're going to go short. Hands out of the front line, put Mike Acevo up the front. Done. Simple. Captain Ham. <laughs> coach Ham. Coach, coach, thank you very much. Bertie, first try score, eventual score. Uh, first try score, I'm going to go with, uh, I think I'm going to go Sean Russell. Uh, you know, I think we got to kick early towards him. And um, yeah, he, you know, he shows a bit of speed like that. Um, that game against the Tigers where he literally picks up a ball that went to ground and he literally zigzag through like, it's kind of like a, Running back and play in NFL. I know I keep using NFL, you know, plays and terminologies, but yeah, I feel as though Sean Russell might have a good game. Um, look, I think it's going to be a close game. I'm, I'm, I'm tipping uh, 14-12, arrows way. So um, I just feel as though it's just going to be muggy conditions. Whether you like, whether you look at it, whether it rains or not, uh, completion rate is going to be key in this game. So uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a close game. Forty. Um, I'll go for. 28 to 20 in Parramatta's favour. Obviously, this is a game that could easily lose to Brisbane playing tremendous football. Uh, first try scorer for the Eels, I will go Jermaine Hopgood. Him. Uh, Parramatta to win 14 to 6. First try scorer, Ryan Madison hitting the hole between Kurt Capel and Ezra Mann. And then for me, I have Dillbags getting over first and eventual score 26 24 again in a close one up in that Darwin Heat. Right, well, we won't wrap it up there. Um, so best of luck to all grades, but especially for the uh, junior reps in the SG Bull and the Mats uh, going into their green final qualifiers. Uh, what we hope will be good um, outcomes from both of those teams over the weekend. Until then, we'll catch you on the next Parrot Podcast. Who's in, go Yeah.